hello and welcome all you seekers and explorers out there. Welcome to this uh, episode of the Alchemy Experience podcast where we are going to discuss compassion. In this ep- uh, episode you will hear from uh, members of the audience and it's a group discussion that we conduct on uh, compassion and how to utilize it and what are the challenges and the benefits etc. Compassion is a concept I use in my own workshops, uh, coaching workshops, where we uh, take the first step towards uh, addressing our own experiences from a compassionate view. And then of course to accept our role and our position and accept everybody else's roles and positions in any experience that we have as well as then moving on to forgiving yourselves, others, and the experience, as well as uh, showing gratitude towards the gifts of experience and lessons that you get. So this first step, compassion, is sometimes the trickiest, because then uh, you are making forays, very brave and courageous forays, into the healing journey that you're about to embark on. If you're interested in working with us at the Alchemy Experience, you just go to thealchemyexperience.co.uk and you find information about our coaching services there. You will also find um, recorded meditations, writings and so forth. So, but we're here for the podcast. So, so without further ado, please uh, enjoy this podcast and let's get into the discussion. Today we are talking compassion. As always, I like to start with a quote. So if you want others to be happy, practice compassion. If you want to be happy yourself, practice compassion. And of course, that's the, uh, the great Dalai Lama, the uh, 14th uh, from the art of happiness, uh, who said that I always, when I talk about compassion, I reference back to uh, Buddhism and Dalai Lama because it is such a central core of Buddhism uh, in general. I've always found that compassion is an antidote to judgment. So whenever I feel judgment coming on, as it were, uh, I apply compassion into my life, uh, which usually helps to uh, alleviate uh, my, my sense of judgment, if you like. Also, I find that compassion brings peace, acceptance, forgiveness, and gratitude. And in my coaching practice, I apply four pillars to the practice towards every experience, which is uh, compassion, acceptance, gratitude, and forgiveness. Uh, so compassion is the first pillar in my, the concept of my coaching practice. What is compassion? Um, to me, it's uh, unconditional. If you apply compa- compassion, it's unconditional. If you try to embody it, you have to apply it to everything and everybody, including yourself. And it's an absolute state of being. It's not, there are no variances. There are no, uh, uh, there's no scale of compassion. It's either compassion or it isn't. And I think most of the time, compassion starts with empathy. So once you are able to show empathy towards others and yourself, that's when you're able to start applying compassion. So let's start with that. 
that is my definition. Edita? Hello. Hello. <laughs> Uh, what's, what's interesting, compassion is, or a difficulty, or rather a question that I am uh, looking for an answer, is that when I practice compassion, I feel kind of that I give it like everything, and then it's as if I was losing myself, and that it was like in the end dragging out of me energy, and then I'm like really poor after that. Um, and this is... Um, um, the reason why I'm today here to see if I can find um, an answer to find a balance to to be compassionate but not to lose myself in all that. I think that's a, a very common conception, if you like. Um, and may I suggest perhaps that do you think perhaps you practice sympathy as opposed to compassion? Maybe I I never thought about this like that. It all depends on the definition of compassion to you. Uh, and I understand that it can be very individual. Whenever, I would say whenever you practice compassion, it fills you, it doesn't empty you. So compassion is something that you, you apply towards others, but it's within yourself. So for example, when I practice compassion, it doesn't necessarily have to involve anybody else. So say for some, uh, for example, someone is uh, berating me or reprimanding me for something that is totally benign or something that is not, doesn't really have anything to do with me. I don't need to respond to that person in kind because then I'm just being triggered by them. Now, I don't need to cave to them and succumb to them. That's not compassion. That is just... Uh, kind of bending to their will and responding in a different way to their uh, actions. The compassionate way would be to look behind the facade or the face or the mask of that anger or that bitterness or what negative face that that person has at that moment and look behind and look at the true essence of the person and say, okay, I understand this person. Not without making any assumptions, you know, of course you have to make assumptions, but making assumptions about their true nature, about their organismic self, the person they were when they were born. So you have to look at what has happened since they were born that causes them to react this way. Does that make sense? Yes. Does that answer your question? Um, I'll take that as yeah, a <laughs> I, I think, I think um, it seems to me that I, I, I because I'm like very sensitive uh, about um, feelings and energy, that I too quickly uh, go with my feelings into the situation. And so I'm like, probably this is the wrong side when I get involved in that. And this is what's. Um, dragging my energy i think and because i i thought that compassion is when i am feeling with this person so i'm like you know and and because i was always since a child very sensitive and i was like very deep in these emotions especially when somebody was angry it was like literally everything shaking inside me and i was like oh my god then i don't want this 
compassion because it's like destroying me. No, then, then I, I, I think I was spot on with my first comment that you're practicing sympathy as opposed to compassion. Does anybody else have any uh, suggestions there for Edita? I think that what you're saying about the sympathy versus compassion is spot on. And I, I've come to the conclusion that what you talked about specifically about the compassion for yourself is the most important aspect of it. It's that radical forgiveness and also the compassion for yourself. Because I think until you really come to alignment with that aspect of it, because Adita, you just used the word wrong. There isn't any wrong. When you're dealing with energy and other things and feelings, when we make certain feelings okay and certain feelings wrong, then there can't be compassion on that. And it's the same thing where I look at, um, you know, that people are, you know, we're divine beings having human experiences. And if that's the case, that means it's someone that comes in with Down syndrome or is born without legs or they're born with this. That's their sole experience that they came into this lifetime to be able to experience. And so as a result, I can have compassion for their, for their situation, but I don't have to feel sympathy because I know that I've worked with um, guide dog uh, organizations and the people that are blind, they don't want anyone to feel sympathy for them because when they're getting a guide dog, they want to feel completely independent that they're able to be with that dog and it becomes their, you know, their way of being able to access freedom in their world. But they don't want people to feel sorry for them. And I know that when I've talked to blind people, they've said the worst thing a person can do to them when they're trying to cross the street is to grab their shoulder and try to walk them across the street because then they disorient them and they don't know where they are. But it's like, that's a sympathy mindset as opposed to a compassion mindset, which would say, can I help you? Yeah, or even uh, just tagging on to that, Barbie, we're even going up saying, I admire your strength. Is there anything I can do to uh, support that? Exactly. And that, that comes from a place of also with that compassion, it's also the, the amount of, of I see you as a as soul and I am soul too. And you're looking at each other on equal pars because mm -hmm. what you're talking about too, in the sense of where I know that for you, one of your pet projects is talking about you know, refugees. And that's something of where when you come from a war-torn country and you're talking to people who've never experienced war before, they don't have a clue as to what that feels like. I don't know what that feels like. I hope I never have to experience that. But by the same token, I also have to have compassion when I'm dealing with somebody knowing that they have PTSD or other things like that, because I know that that might be a part of their reality that isn't, I mean, even, you know, I mean, I have a PTSD from having been bullied when I, you know, grown up and it's, it's the same, but I have to also have compassion for myself because all of our pain is relative. It's relative to our own path. Now, that also goes to, um, you know, talking about those situations like you were describing here now, Barbie, where you've been, been bullied. Part of the process of your own healing is also the ability to have compassion for the perpetrator and their experience, right? Absolutely. And that's even, I mean, biblically, you look at even the concept of scapegoat. Every, every, you know, every tribe, every place oftentimes has a scapegoat because that person is the acceptable vehicle to be able to, you know, deliver that it's not okay to be negative to everybody, but we've decided that this particular group or this particular, I mean, that's how, you know, Nazism had with the Jews back in the 1930s. It was that they decided that those were their scapegoats. And so it was acceptable to be able to do whatever you wanted because you had to dehumanize them in that, in that sense. And so I realized for myself that 
in a small town growing up, I kind of became that scapegoat for people of where they felt like it was acceptable to treat me really, really poorly. But then when I went to Europe, I had such an incredible experience where people thought I was amazing and they were just, you know, I had all these like great experiences. I realized it wasn't me. And so then I was able to have compassion for the fact that in some ways, as I think I've shared before, I'm grateful to those people and I do have compassion for them because ultimately they also made me a very, very strong person. And I've been able to see the worst and the best in people and still find the goodness in all of it. <clears throat> Beautifully said, Barbie. I really like that. Cara, you wanted to chime in? I, um, yes. Um, um, I, I look at people, all of us, as having a sacred journey. I have respect for each pretty that they have. It doesn't mean that I agree with it. I don't need to get into judgment. It's just having the respect that they are doing the best they can and they are on their journey. Yeah, no, I, I think that is uh, definitely key, uh, or that, that is the result of applying uh, compassion. You you are able to move yourself out of that uh, judgment space where you are triggered by someone, by a person's looks, by their behavior, whatever it may be, or even an experience. So the, the, the trick is to find out how, how do I... How do I move out of a judgment situation when I'm being triggered? And you know, what are the times that it's applicable or not applicable to be uh, compassionate? Um, well, compassion, I mean, you can say things that are um, difficult to somebody and be compassionate. So, you know, I, I think compassion is a really good starting point. And then if you have to say difficult things, it comes from a place of compassion. Absolutely. Compassion doesn't mean you have to give up on your boundaries. So if right. someone, someone's yelling at you or just giving you a hard time or beating up on you, that does not mean that you have to stay in that situation and, and you don't have to take it as a word. But you still mm -hmm. can feel compassion for, for the person's plight or previous experiences that have led up to the situation they now find, them, find themselves in. Uh, mm -hmm. so, so that you're not reacting to whatever they are projecting uh, from their own experiences. Absolutely. And I personally, I find compassion to be unconditional. There are no exceptions. When you practice and embody compassion, it, there are no exceptions. It, it is utterly unconditional post here in the chat two links one the uh, link to the youtube video there uh, and you'll find it in the show notes as well if you're listening to the rec um, the recording of this there is a um, this is a, an example of pure compassion where uh, you have a this father whose son has been murdered and at the trial of the son's murderer the father uh, uh, holds a speech uh, for the, um, the court where he says that he doesn't blame the murderer and that he forgives him. And at the end of the uh, uh, trial, you know, everybody's crying, even the judge is crying, you know. The man walks up and hugs his son's murderer. 
because he understands the the journey that has brought this kid to commit that murder. Now, this is, a, to me, an utter amazing expression of compassion. So I posted it there for you to, to have a look at, and it's a good example to <laughs> learn from. I challenge anybody to watch that without shedding a tear. And also, you know, uh, compassion can be towards people, experiences, and first and foremost, like Barbara was saying before, yourself. And that's what you were talking about also with regards to boundaries. When you, if you have compassion for yourself and someone is abusing you and you don't walk away, you're not having compassion for yourself. No, absolutely. And that comes from that uh, state of being. You know, who, who is it that we are being compassionate towards when we act from a, a place of compassion? So for me, it's not the, as I was saying before, it's not the facade or the mask or the person, the projection of the person or the experience that I'm having compassion towards. It's where they come from. It's the essence or the authentic self of that person. So, you know, Carl Rogers, the uh, psychologist from uh, the 50s and 60s uh, would say it's the organismic self because the organismic self is always striving to achieve self-actualization, always trying to find itself. But you develop this idea of self because of programming, because of trauma, because of experiences you've had in your life. And that will then create this facade or this mask that you put on, and that's where you project outwards. And that's what people are experiencing. And it's our individual responsibility, I feel, is to not take that for face value, as it were, and just to say, I understand there is someone behind there. There's a child behind there that has hurt, uh, has experienced trauma, has uh, had difficult experiences. And that's where this facade is coming from so the compassion is applied towards the the authentic person behind their uh, projection does that make sense yes okay can you talk a little bit more about that in regards to the projection yeah so in my view when if someone says something to me and it triggers me it's about me not about them it's something within me. In order for me to be triggered by something someone else says, that I have to have an element of that in myself. It's my job to go in and heal that. So that is a projection from them to me. And if it resonates with me, it's because I have something like that within myself. And it can be the smallest aspect of it, but it could be something I've experienced. It could be something from you know childhood, uh, that uh, seems benign to the adult version of myself. Uh, now, if I'm exercising compassion and you have a person who is uh, reacting to me or reacting towards me, that do I, I, I don't have to take that personally. You know, using the four agreements, that I try to make with myself every single day is to not take things personally, not to assume anything about anybody else, 
to speak impeccably. So be, you know, make sure that my words pass the, the filter of is it true, is it kind, is it useful or helpful? And also to make sure that I do my best every single day. And my best is to be a compassionate being towards everybody else. So that projection is a projection of someone's experiences. So I typically see that, or the, the, the way I see experiences is that you see your future and present experiences through the lens of your past experiences. And that's why it's important that we are able to go back and reframe the emotional experience of our trauma and our past experiences from a point of view of compassion, acceptance, gratitude, and forgiveness. But it is that projection of the, through the lens of the past experiences. And once we understand that, we can understand that people that we encounter may not have deal, dealt with all their experiences uh, throughout their life. So it, it becomes that projection through, through the, um, uh, their experiences. Does that make sense, Barbie? It does, but I also had this conversation with someone in our group that was talking about the fifth one, which is also the, you know, have an open mind, but also be skeptical. It's that whole concept of the, you know, trust in God, but tie your camel anyway. It's, it's the, the whole thing in the sense of where we still have the responsibility um, to use all of our faculties. We use our intuition, we use, we use all those pieces. And in addition to the mental faculties, the body, everything. Absolutely. Uh, just because we're compassionate doesn't mean we're naive and uh, easily fooled. That is uh, certainly not part of it. And you can have someone who projects a, you, you can take the contrary, you can have someone who projects a very f compassionate nature, but it's fake. It, there's no substance behind it. And I think that's what you're referring to, Bobby. Uh, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, I, I suppose a good... Uh, good terminology for that is fake spiritual and that would go back to from my point of view that we are all on two paths you have spiritual development where you develop your connection with your internal self and your higher self uh, or the divine or depending on what your uh, uh, format of belief is but then you also have the per personal maturity and compassion in my world uh, goes on the uh, path of personal maturity. Uh, so if someone comes along and has only done the work to kind of become spiritual as it were, but they haven't done the work to become evolve as a human being, there's still that incruence between the manifestation of the spiritual self and their uh, physical reality. So there, there's that gap that needs to be closed. And yeah, that's where your intuition has to come in and say, this guy, this person is not being sincere. Because in sincerity, again, it's a mask, it's a facade that you can recognize. And uh, 
especially if, like a Dita, for example, uh, someone being of a sensitive nature or uh, being an empath, you can very easily see right through that because the, the mask doesn't ma uh, match the energetic uh, signature that's coming through. But again, then you have two masks because you have the mask behind the mask that is still projecting the past experiences. So they realize that the ugly, quote unquote, ugly mask they have on is not desirable any longer. So instead of dealing with the things that created that mask, they create another mask, right? Oh, yeah. But there is still that essence, that authentic self behind the original mask that you can have compassion for. But it doesn't, need to, doesn't mean you need to engage with their journey. Um, or, you know, as you said it, um, before, Edita, that you don't have to sympathetically or energetically involve yourself with that journey. It's not your monkey. It's not your circus. Right? Cara, you had something? Yes. Um, I had... An interesting experience. Um, I had a traumatic brain injury and I could only use my intuition because my brain wasn't working. And what was interesting about that was that I had to have um, a lot of personal forgiveness because I knew I was doing the best that I could, which also meant that I was doing the same for other people. They were doing the best that they could do at any given time. Um, and just uh, trust my body and intuition that if somebody was saying or doing something and it didn't resonate with me, I would just leave because that was the best I could do. And in a way, um, what came out of that was um, doing no harm. I, w I wasn't uh, saying anything or doing anything to encourage or discourage their journey my realization was that in order to try to stay as centered as I could, I needed to move myself from that situation. So it was, it was very simple. Um, maybe people didn't understand it, but it was what I was stuck with. So um, things get um, very uncomplicated, especially when you're kind of forced to trust your intuition in everything. Yeah, that's an amazing uh, lesson, an amazing journey there. But the lessons and the journey that you take after that and your ability to uh, regain your strength. And yeah, acting from intuition is never popular with anybody that don't understand it. Because once you do, you act on a different plane and you act from information that's not available to you with the external senses. You can't hear it, you can't see it, you can't taste it, you can't smell it, you can't feel it on your skin. It's in there, in the ether, and you just act on it. And people say, what's your motivation? My intuition. And people go crazy when you say that. <laughs> At least those that don't understand it. So good for you, Cara. I'm uh, really impressed with that. with that. That's great. Any other thoughts on that? Yeah, that's actually, um, that's so amazing, Cara, because honestly, it sounds like you had the gift of really being kind of taken down to the true essence of what man really 
we should be operating by in, in a lot of ways because I feel the what you're talking about, Christopher, about this like inner journey of where you're you're you know you're supplanting and and taking off masks, you're taking them off, and then you're filtering them. And I feel like you know, like in my journey, I've really done clearings of the limiting beliefs and taking those masks off and taking those masks off. But then you also have to fill in with light. You have to allow all of that universal source energy to come in, which is really beautiful. And what you referred to before, it's like that congruency and the alignment. That's what Esther Hicks talks about. They talk about the fact with the teachings of Abraham that when you have that alignment, the, the universe literally will open up to you in a way that you never had it before because by sheer force of will, you're always trying to control and manipulate it, thinking that this is how you do things, this is how you do that. But if you just sit there in that compassionate space, kind of like when you're meditating, you're in that beautiful compassionate space for yourself, connecting to the universe, that alignment and that congruency will literally just never let you down. And when you can then know that you can trust the universe to be able to have your back in that sense, you get to a place of where you have this complete trust of the universe has my back. I know this doesn't seem like it's right in my mind in this moment, but I'm going to trust my intuition. And then when it keeps proving to you over and over and over and over again, and it, that it's the correct form of, of like interpretation, you never doubt it ever again. If you look at the, the uh, Buddhistic tradition, they also talk about that in terms of the um, in su uh, suffering, right? So they talk about uh, once you recognize and understand that life is suffering, you don't see suffering from the same point of view anymore, and you, you can alleviate your suffering. And I think that's what you're, you're talking about, right, Barbie? Well, yeah, because right now I'm doing Naveen Jain's quest about boldness. And he's talking about the fact that your moonshot has to be something that literally you tell people and they're like, that sounds crazy. Mm -hmm. But if you know that your message can hit a, mil a billion people and make it better. And he was talking about, you know, when the dinosaurs got wiped out, what if there was an entrepreneurial dinosaur that literally was able to go to Mars or someplace else and was able to replicate themselves? Yeah. I mean, it's just the kind of stuff of where when you hear people who have brilliant minds and they completely just disrupt and don't think like everybody else because they don't care. It's just, this is my vision. This is what my intuition is telling me. I have billion dollar corporations. They're helping the world to be able to eradicate disease and change the entire healthcare system on its end. That's amazing. And that, that's the part about where, but it's that self-trust of the fact that you just put it out there. And it's like literally stepping into a completely different paradigm because it's not, looking at it from the perspective of suffering because it, it this world honestly in some ways is better than it's ever been at any time in the in the human history yeah i mean there's less uh we, we never experienced less wars less murders less violence of course the in on an individual basis there are people that are experiencing all of these things still but as, as humanity as a collective uh yeah you're absolutely right we haven't experienced it this well uh, before absolutely so um, I think w it's also important that we have a roadmap for ourselves to become passionate I don't you know as I said before I think in, uh, compassion is something you embody it's something you become as the more you practice it it just becomes part of you the way you approach the world um, and there's some some doing in that uh, you need to clearly 
work with your subconscious and your previous traumas and your experiences, uh, but also you have your body's memories. You got to work with that. Also, it's through constant conscious action and practice that we are able to embody compassion. So in Buddhism, for example, you use uh, meditation, and I found that to be most effective myself. Um, they also have, a, in Buddhism, you have a, a mantra, Om Mani Padme Hum, which is the uh, compassionate mantra. And it basically means the jewel is in the lotus, which is in the crown. So uh, using different techniques in meditation, hypnosis, uh, psychotherapy, there are a lot of different ways we can approach it. But I think the most effective for me in combination with meditation has been uh, compassionate questioning, which is whenever I notice, and this is also the practice, you know, Eckhart Tolle talks about the observer. It's constantly observing yourself. How do I feel? How does my body feel? Where are the sensations? So whenever I feel triggered by something, it might be superficial and vain. I could see someone on the street and the looks just looks of that person just don't uh, resonate with me. Something triggers. Immediately, I convert to myself, okay, ask the question. So then I go into questioning saying, I wonder what that person has experienced in life that allow or that brings me to feeling triggered by them so compassion compassionate questioning is not you know telling someone who's uh, reprimanding you why are you being an asshole that's not compassionate questioning that's uh passive aggressive i think <laughs> but it's uh, asking questions about the authentic person that is behind the mask and the facade um, asking questions about myself. So it has nothing to do with anybody else outside of myself. It's all within myself. So these questions are questions I ask myself. But of course, if someone is being aggressive towards you, you, you might feel it appropriate to say, what has hurt you so badly in your life that you feel that this aggression is appropriate and necessary? And that's a compassionate question. Once you start asking those questions, as opposed to making statements, like if someone is berating you or yelling at you, saying, oh, this person is being an asshole because that's just a personality, then you're making statements. And statements close you off from the opportunity of getting to connect with that authentic person. If you ask the compassionate question, you are able to reach behind and connect on a higher, deeper level with the authentic person behind it. Does that make sense? Yeah, and I think different people have their different filters. I mean, that, that's the part that's also, I, I know recently I've really decided that having courageous conversations with people where I just state what I'm thinking, even in a professional aspect, it's, mm -hmm. it's been actually quite transformative because then we're not dancing this dance of, you know, I know what you're, you're doing and, blah 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 it's just stating the facts and then allowing it where you don't hold a grudge anymore and you just let it because it's that whole thing that in buddhism they talk about when you have 
you know, the hot coal, when you have anger, the hot coal in your hand, the person mm -hmm. suffering, you holding it. So it's basically just being able to release that. And then when, you know, things are just kind of stated as is and as they are, then you can drop it because you're over it. And then the next time you have that conversation with that person, they don't have to feel like they have to dance around your unexpressed emotions. No. And then they ask you how you're doing. I'm fine. We had the conversation. It's over. Let's move on. And then they also feel free to then be themselves because that whole thing isn't sitting there with all this energy that's about ready to burst because it's already been taken care of. It's just courageous conversations, honestly, to me, are also a form of compassion because you're just stating truth to power. Absolutely. And it's, it is that allowing the authentic self to express itself. That's when you come into alignment because then you bring... Um, your, your essence or your authentic self or your soul or whatever, your spirit or your high self or your divinity, you bring that into physical manifestation. That's when you express yourself authentically, then you don't have a mask anymore. Then you are truly compassionate. Then you've embodied, at least the embodiment of compassion is one step towards that uh, ultimate goal. And that's what we, I suppose, refer to as an enlightenment is when we find that complete and exact alignment. And I find the, the biggest obstacles towards compassion are you know, shame, guilt, bitterness, vengeance, fear. All of these negative low vibrational emotions are what stands behind you. And because all of those things will cause your mind or your subconscious to immediately make statements about someone else and make assumptions. So going back to the four agreements, don't make any assumptions because you don't know uh, someone else's journey. Working on ridding ourselves or rather incorporating and understanding our shame and our guilt and our anger and those things will allow us to uh, forge a path towards compassion. So anybody have any uh, good examples of uh, kind of making that journey and working towards that? Yeah. <laughs> Go ahead, Cher. Um, my granddaughter is, um, has very, very poor taste in partners. And this young man that she's with now can't hold a job. There's never food in the house there's they never have diapers or the essential things right now they are living in a motel and through a number of uh calls that i've participated in in the last week uh up until then i had just sort of backed off and said um you know what when you decide to get rid of this ass this person <laughs> uh then i'll then i'll help and I don't know exactly what happened, but I decided when she called me and asked if I could give her money because she hadn't eaten all day, I like broke. And uh, I said, well, I'll, I'll bring you food. So I, I took her lunch up. I didn't give her money. I probably still won't give her money. Mm -hmm. But uh, the other day, I, you know, she, she didn't have shoes that she could work in. And I managed to find a pair of shoes that was too small for my my girls and I took her shoes I bought her a pile of groceries that she could use with a microwave and I'm still very angry 
with this young man and I know part of his story and my thoughts when I first got involved with this thing is that, you know, I don't need another kid I've got to feel sorry for and worry about. So I have pushed him aside, but I'm looking at this and I'm going, okay, they really are on their journey. And all I can do is make sure that nobody really goes hungry. And um, it, it takes a great deal to stop and be able to say, all right, what, is, what, is, what caused this person to be that way? Now, it's easy for me to do it when I'm the person who's suffering. You know, you come up and you smack me in the nose. I'll try to figure out why you are the way you are. But it's really hard when the person who's suffering is my grandchild or my great-grandchildren. That, 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 that's a tough one but it's still necessary. And I'm gonna work really hard on it starting about 10 minutes ago. <laughs> Cherry, that is, that is a uh, journey, absolutely. And uh, it's very brave of you to take those steps. Um, and it's beautiful, thank you for sharing that. It really touches me to the heart. Um, and it's, it's a complex situation, isn't it? Yeah. But I think it's a good example also of you saying, I have my boundaries and I have to maintain, maintain those boundaries to be, in order to be compassionate to myself. I understand this man's journey and I have compassion for the authentic person behind that, you know, the, the irresponsibility that is projected from from him, uh, which is becomes his mask, his identity, what have you. Um, and at the same time, showing uh, empathy and compassion towards your granddaughter, you say. And it's, where does the line go where you say, this is as far as I'm going to go to help you. You are on your own journey and you have to learn from your own experiences. It is something that you, I think, you probably end up being slightly flexible on, but at some point it's like here but no further. So it's it is a challenging situation, and of course, Cherry, you're the only one who's going to know what's right and wrong in this. But I think being able to sit down and say, and I, I think acceptance is the word that comes to my mind. Yeah accepting that we all have our parts and all our parts lead to more, um, more learning and every experience, however hard it may seem, always has a gem of, of a gift. The interesting thing is um, I've spent my entire life saving people. I'm the oldest of seven children. I've always been responsible and I've never been able until very recently to set those boundaries. Mm -hmm. I mean, it, I, I was, I've, I, I've just been exhausted by what I've been putting out. And so I got to the point where I'm like, no, I'm done. And it's been difficult, but now I have to find that balance of, you know, doing what I can without overextending myself and 
and respecting their journey. Because, you know, when it's your kids, when it's, when it's somebody that close to you, 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 you want to keep them from falling all the time. And it's just not a real smart thing to do in spite of the fact that I've done it all my life. Absolutely. And it's, if it's something that you do your entire life, it becomes part of your habit. It becomes part of your identity. It becomes part of who you are. And then stepping into a space where you're kind of, where you are brave enough to, release those shackles as it were it is an unknown space it's an unknown quantity and it's natural to feel fear in that space because people around you who are used to you used to trampling all over you are going to react and they yes. need to react in a very negative way aren't they you've changed you're not your same person yeah i can't no. i can't use you and abuse you and uh take advantage of you anymore why have you changed yeah and that's not not a healthy relationship i would say it's not a relationship i would like to see myself or anybody in um but that's beautifully put sherry and i uh, really appreciate you sharing that story i appreciate the 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 chance to do it i'm so so glad I got up this morning and I'm here. Oh, beautiful. Thank you. Rosanna? Yes, uh, I just wanted to say to, to Cherry, um, you're being really, really brave in this situation. Um, you mentioned one word that uh, really resonated with me, and that is respect. And it's respect, uh, first of all, for yourself and the journey you are doing but also respect for the journey your grandchild um, is, is doing and, uh, and, and the partner. Um, it is very difficult and I, I totally understand that and resonate with me because I have a very similar situation uh, with my sister and her husband. Um, it is difficult. Uh, however, the only thing we can do is, uh, I believe, being there for them and, and trying to support them, but without stepping, uh, if you like, on their feet is probably not the best way to, to say it. Uh, but, you know, they, they need to understand that they have to take responsibilities uh, for their own life. And uh, if we are always there um, to, to save them and to, to protect them, perhaps is not a good thing for them. Um, so it, it is difficult and uh, um, for, for sure, uh, especially when they are close uh, family and friends. But I also think it's, uh, it's the only thing uh, that will probably save them. So you are allowing them, you are giving them a great gift by allowing them to grow into a more mature uh, adults. Uh, it's a process everyone has to go and um, yeah that's the only thing I wanted to say so um, respectful for you for taking that uh, the step yeah, thank I'll, you I'll se second that definitely and it's uh, it is a tough journey and it is a journey for you as well to learn how to develop your boundaries and for you to now step into 
the, the asking the question, how can I embody compassion? And it's going to become part of your thought process now. You know, whenever you feel that anger towards this boy, okay, how, how can I become, how can I treat this situation with compassion? You know, and ask, constantly questioning yourself, am I approaching this compassionately? So it's, um, it's a brave journey you've embarked on, Cherry. We'll see how it goes. I'm confident that you're going to uh, succeed. You, you'll, Thank you. You'll, you'll stumble and you'll fall, but you'll get up and you'll succeed in the end. Absolutely. I have no doubt. I think one, one point I would like to bring up is the litmus test I use on myself. And that is showing compassion. When I can feel, when I can show compassion towards such, such people as, you know, Hitler or Pol Pot or, you know, any other big figures in history that have caused cataclysmic suffering, then I know, I know I've arrived. And it's, it's getting to that point to see the authentic uh, organismic self behind those horrible, horrible masks and facades then I know that I've embodied uh, compassion. And, the, and I'm sure that's gonna cause a lot of reaction here. So uh, feel free to uh, bring them out. No, I think that's really actually very important. We have to see the grand scheme of that. It, it's, it's, it's imperative as a, as a whole entire human race to be able to see those kind of things. Cause even like when you look at Bosnia, Herzegovina, you look at Darfur, you look at the, the conflicts between the Sunnis and the Shiites, et cetera, to the outside eye, we don't see any difference. Like I, I wouldn't be able to recognize the difference between a Sunni and a Shiite Muslim. I have no idea what the difference is. But by the same token, there's a, a deep embedded hatred that they have for each other, et cetera, that I don't understand that construct. But I have compassion for the fact that it's like, you know, there's a, a family in the United States called the Hatfields and the McCoys. They were enemies for so long that finally somebody, I think a couple of decades ago, they actually said, you know what? Why don't we meet up and let's have a chat? And they met up and they decided they're not enemies anymore. No. So that's the part about where it's awesome because they just decided in their, in their lineage that they had to keep going with this hatred. Mm -hmm. But instead they were able to completely come to terms with that it's over, it's done with. So sometimes it's also that things in society have to play out and I think it totally has to be, I mean, I've, I've worked with a lot of Holocaust survivors in the last 20 years in an organization that has the highest amount of Holocaust survivors. And when you talk to them, they are the most alive people you've ever met in your life. They're happy, they're smiling, they laugh all the time. There's a twinkle in their eye. Um, I knew Leon Layson, who was the youngest member of Schindler's List. And that guy had a, had a skip in his step. I mean, it's just, mm -hmm. you saw these people who just, I mean, they have complete compassion for, um, you know, what, what had happened to them, yeah. but it's still, it's like, um, you know, the guy that wrote night he's I, I heard him speak and he said that he didn't forgive the Nazis because they didn't ask him for their forgiveness. So that was a profound thing too. And when you think about that, that ideology, but it's still, we all have to go through our, our own process. And a lot of times the people who have had amazing amounts of trauma and have gone through hell on earth, they come out with a compassion galore they have yeah. compassion that's oozing out of them because they have seen what has occurred and now they can literally share that with everybody else and i think once you 
embody that compassion, you also start recognizing yourself in everybody else, even perpetrators of great crimes or uh, great suffering. Great suffering. Um, uh, you recognize yourself uh, in the authentic uh, person that is behind the mask and the facade. Oh yeah, and, and one other person that I also saw, which I think is just a hero, I saw Paul Rusesa Begina speak. He was basically the, the whole situation that happened with Hotel Rwanda. And listening to his compassion, that was so amazing to hear about the fact he said he didn't have a choice. He just knew that he had to save these people. He was gonna do whatever it took, it didn't matter. And that's the kind of stuff where that is that true compassion you're talking about, about the fact he risked everything. He didn't care if he put himself in danger. It was just, I have so much compassion for these people and I'm gonna do whatever it takes. Yeah. No, no, it is as tough as cataclysmic trauma is, for the collective consciousness and for the individual individuals who, who experience it, the stories of uh, forgiveness and compassion and gratitude that comes out of it are truly awe-inspiring. And that's one of the things I I always look for is you know where is the positive stories that come out of it, um, and uh, yeah, the Holocaust is definitely one of those uh, situations where. You, you can choose either to, you can choose hate or you can choose uh, compassion. And it's a tough choice. There's no doubt about it. There's no ifs or buts about it. It is a tough choice. That was Viktor Frankl's whole thing. That was man's search for meaning. And I actually yeah. did a prison project where we went to maximum security prisons and we actually did counseling with the idea that, you know, these women were having, they were divine being having prison experiences mm -hmm. and by the end of the four days we worked with them they were completely transformed because they didn't see themselves as a victim any any longer yeah. they decided they got to choose what they thought about their life sentence that they were sitting there doing and they had hope and they created an honor dorm and they went on to do really amazing things within their own communities where they changed people from these you know victim places so that's where when we have opportunities to go into communities like that you can transform them in a way because you're not judging them you're not bringing religion to them you're just telling them okay this is what has happened to you now you need to reframe it and decide how you want to look at it exactly what happened to nelson mandela as well uh when he was in prison um where he decided that freedom is uh, a state of mind it's not a physical experience so, i'm so glad you brought up victor frankel he just uh i listened to to his audiobook twice a year and i pass it out to people yeah. and i'm going this this is this is where, you know, I, I the idea of of not being a victim, the idea of not needing um, retribution, the idea of maintaining your humanity. Uh, it's um, I get a lot of a, a lot of flack because I'm going. Trump is who he is because of everything behind him, and you know we just have to. Just, just have to accept, you know, that doesn't mean you got to accept what he does, but, you know, I have a lot of compassion for a lot of really bad people. Yeah, that's the, uh, they were all small children one time, uh, once upon a time as well. And now some people may think that some people are born evil. I don't believe that. Yeah. Um, I believe everybody is born true and pure 
and it's the environment that shapes um, shapes their uh, future experiences. Um, so, yeah, before we uh, wrap up, I'd like to send you all off with a quote again from uh, the Dalai Lama: "The compassion is the radicalism of our time." So, I'd like you all to go out in the world and uh, become radicals and treat your lives radically. Any last words from anybody before we part? Thank you very much, Christopher. This was awesome. Well, yes, my pleasure. Um, my pleasure. And uh, it wouldn't be possible without everybody bringing their best energy. So I thank you all uh, creating this community. I appreciate it greatly. Thank you. Right. Have a great day, everybody. Thank you. Uh, you take care, everybody. Bye. Bye. Some wonderful insights there. Would you not agree? And I'd like you to ponder compassion as a personal responsibility. So, you know, we always consider, you know, peace on earth as a pipe dream, a, a utopian uh, concept. But now, if you have two people that practice compassion, they come together and have differing opinions. How do you think they approach a situation like that? Do you think they resolve it peacefully? Do you think they resort to violence or, uh, you know, unfriendly discourse? I would uh, venture to say it would be a peaceful resolution to their conflict. Now, consider a hundred people practicing compassion in a community. What would that community look like? Or perhaps take 10,000, 100,000, a million people practicing compassion. How would that look like? Now, if we all take a personal responsibility to approach our experiences and people around us with compassion, what would the world look like if we all did that? So that, those parting words, uh, I would like to welcome you to join me in our coaching practices and our meditations and so forth on the alchemyexperience.co.uk if uh, you so, so feel compelled. Um, if any case, I hope to see you at the next podcast as it's being released. And thank you for joining in. Go forth with compassion and be well. <laughs>